The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. The Writer Files is brought to you by Studio Press, the industry standard for premium WordPress themes and plugins. Built on the Genesis framework, Studio Press delivers state-of-the-art SEO tools, beautiful and fully responsive design, airtight security, instant updates, and much more. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 177,000 website owners trust Studio Press. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress right now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. These are the writer files. A tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers. From online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Cal Reed, writer, podcaster, and mediophile. And each week, we'll discover how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. Acclaimed horror author Jonathan Jans stopped by this week to talk about his passions, his workmanlike process as a writer, and the skeletons in his closet. Award-winning horror and zombie maestro Brian Keane called Jans one of the best writers in modern horror to come along in the last decade. In addition to being a multi-genre author, Jonathan leads a double life as a full-time high school educator and a family man. He's the author of nine novels and recently signed an 11-book deal to offer limited-run collector's editions of his books. And Jonathan's 10th novel, Children of the Dark, lands this March and has been likened by critics to Stephen King's work. Join us for this two-part interview. In part one of the file, Jonathan and I discuss why rejection should only strengthen your determination, the value of humility for writers, how to write a thousand words an hour without distraction, why nothing is lost on writers, and the secret of true creative expression. We are rolling with Jonathan Jans. Thank you so much for jumping onto the Writer Files podcast to uh, chat with me a little bit about your process as a writer. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Kelton. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So you're taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me some. And uh, for listeners who might not be familiar, can you give us a little bit of your kind of your origin story? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've, uh, I've wanted to be a writer for quite a long time. And I think that it took me a while to develop the, the discipline 
and the skills necessary to, to have some success. But I, I knew I wanted to be a writer way back, uh, probably in high school. I discovered Stephen King between the ages of uh, like 14 and 15 and just really, really fell in love. Before then, I wasn't even a reader. But when I read this book, it's not, most people don't consider it one of Stephen King's better works. It's called The Tommyknockers. But for me, it was the first time I'd ever read something that really spoke to me and really just immersed me in the story. And, and, and it kind of hooked me the way a movie would, because I'd always loved movies, but I'd never had that same experience or reaction to books. But that hooked me. And then I started reading everything Stephen King had written. And then by the time I was a senior in high school, I actually started to try to write my first novel, which was just a train wreck. It was, it was abysmal. <laughs> but uh, I, I knew even back then I wanted to be a writer. Uh, it wouldn't be really, because then I, I've been a teacher. Uh, and this is my 20th year of teaching. And I coached basketball and all kinds of stuff, track for a lot of years. And then, of course, having a, a wife and three children. It's been a busy life. But I, in my, in my mid-30s, I got pretty serious about being a writer. And got rejected by every, I, I got rejected by you know people even other than agents and editors. You know I, I think I think I got rejected by like the pizza guy, by <laughs> by the mayor. I mean everybody just 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 to pile on rejected me. Um, and then after about three three and a half years of rejection, I finally got uh, a novel accepted, and things have been going really well since then. Yeah, absolutely. It does seem like they're going quite well for you now. You uh, recently. Sounds like signed a uh, a pretty big book deal, did you not? I did, I did. Yeah, thanks for yeah, thanks for mentioning that. That thunderstorm books. There's this whole industry within the horror industry. Of course, I write horror primarily, and it's the limited edition hardcover books. And there there are a few companies that that do it really well. A couple are like Cemetery Dance. They're very well known. They do a lot of Stephen King, uh, and Subterranean is another one that's great. They do Joe R. Lansdale, who's one of my favorite writers as well. But uh, another huge name within horror is Thunderstorm, and Thunderstorm they make these beautiful uh, hardcover limited edition books. Uh, it's a one man operation. Now he has a lot of people working for him, but but really he chooses what he wants to do. Paul Gobbler is his name. And he chooses what he wants to do, and then he just really does his job with love and care and attentiveness. And ever since I signed the deal this this summer, it's just been a, a really wonderful experience. Like he'll email me and ask me what kind of materials I like, and we talk about what the, 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 the stamping will look better with, and then what colors, and then what kind of imagery we want in the artwork. So I've seen some mock-ups of, of the first book, and they're just beautiful. So it was an 11-book deal, and there will be probably two to four books uh, released per year for the next three or so years. Well, that's exciting. Congratulations. And Thank it sounds you. like they're doing a, a, a special edition of The Sorrows, which is um, one of your earlier novels. That's right, yeah. That's actually the first novel I had published. It's the second novel I wrote, actually third novel. There's one that's trunked that people people don't know about. But all we all have those trunk novels, right? <laughs> uh, and so it's actually the first one that got published. And yeah, it's one I'm really, really proud of. That's awesome. Well, exciting uh, news. And where else can we find um, other of your novels? I think you've written nine novels now, is that correct? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find them basically anywhere online at Amazon. You can find them under Jonathan Jans, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, Kobo, and then so all the usual suspects will have them online. And then uh, some stores carry them, some don't. Uh, I know that a lot of Barnes and Noble stores carry them. 
uh, our local bookstore here, I'm in West Lafayette, Indiana, it's Vaughn's, this amazing like historical bookstore on Purdue's campus, Purdue University, where I went to school, and they stock all of them too, which is kind of a thrill. I get to go over there and, and you know take my kids to see daddy's books, so it's a lot of fun. But yeah, you can find them in most places. That's very cool. Well, in addition to that special edition of uh, The Sorrows, what else are you presently working on? Yeah, right now I'm working on a novel called The Dark Game. And it's one that I'm really, really excited about. You know, I don't know if you ever, you, you come upon an idea that you know is good, but then you're almost afraid to smother it with, with so much enthusiasm or you're afraid to mishandle it. It's like you're holding some precious Ming vase. And that's kind of how I feel about this. It's, 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 it's a novel about, uh, it's funny, it's, there's a little bit of relation to Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None, which I didn't know about until I described the plot to somebody. I'd never read the book. I'm just now reading the book. Uh, the novel's almost done, but I'm just now reading it, and I'm seeing some connections. But it's, uh, it's ten authors. Uh, are given the opportunity to learn from the most reclusive and lauded and uh, famous and beloved author uh, living today. His name is Roderick Wells. And, you know, he's kind of an imaginary hybrid of like Cormac McCarthy with his reclusiveness, um, <laughs> you know, and then a little bit of Stephen King because he writes darker stuff. But what the authors don't really, of course, it's, it's a competition. So at the end, one is going to get a publishing deal and a lot of fame. But they don't realize that, A, uh, all their demons have followed them there. Uh, and, and then, B, the way to win the competition is to write the most ferocious villain. And whoever writes the mo most ferocious villain will come to life and begin killing the other contestants. <laughs> so, so it's, 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 and I can see after I described it, now that I re I'm, I'm about halfway through and then there were none, I can definitely see the connections to Christie's novels, uh, to her novel, but it's, it's not quite the same thing. You know, the, the characters aren't all, I don't want to give too much of her book away, but since she's been dead for a long time, I guess I can minorly spoil it. <laughs> not all the characters are murderers or anything like that. They just have these secrets that they don't want revealed. Ah, uh, ah, uh, Okay. Well, that sounds very um, intriguing, so we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that one. Cool, thanks. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction, and in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders, 
And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. So let's talk a little bit about your productivity, if you don't mind. Um, sure. Seeing a little bit about how much time per day would you say you are reading or doing research for said projects? As you as you mentioned, you're kind of researching another author. Yeah. As far as reading is concerned, I, I try to make sure I read at least an hour a day. And as you you know, you're a fellow father. It's sometimes challenging to <laughs> to carve out that time, but it's it's I, I usually get an hour, maybe an hour and a half, depending on how late I stay up. And I'm always thinking about my books and my stories. And then I'm always thinking also when I'm reading. I read so differently now that I'm an author. Uh, I read both ebooks and print books. But I love to, like when I read a print book, it looks like a, like a New York subway because it's so full of graffiti by the time I'm done. And then my Kindle books, I, 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 I highlight things, I make notes on every page. So I actually read pretty slowly. It takes me much more slowly than the average reader, I would guess. But it, I think it's because I'm, I'm learning as I go. You know, on, on one page, it'll be a word that I'll, I'll know the word. I'll be aware of it, but I might not be using it as frequently as I like, you know, because it's just a neat descriptive word. Yeah. Uh, or, on, you know, on another page, I'll like the, the syntax of a sentence. It might just be the way an author uh, will, will handle a certain bit of characterization that I'll like. So I, obviously I don't plagiarize what the author does, but I think that, I think that humility is a really important ingredient in, in success and growth. And I think the more I write... The more I read, the more humble I become, the more I realize how much I have to learn from other writers. So really for me, it's, it's this active process as well as being entertained. I'm trying to engage with the material and absorb something from it to, to help my own writing. And before you crack your knuckles and, and sit down to actually get to work, do you have some pregame rituals that you engage in? Yeah, I think when I... When I, when I sit down, I'm very specific about how the, I, I don't know how other author, authors are. I know that we all have our little manias, but I like to, I like to sit down with coffee and I, I play Baroque music, uh, like Bach or, or some <laughs> other Baroque artist. Yeah, usually a, a Yo-Yo Ma interpretation of, of the Baroque artists. And then I have this, this leather chair I sit in by the window in, in my library and I just really like to kind of clear my mind. And I, I try to, you know, with, with acting, I, I love film and I've studied method acting. I can't act a lick. I'm a terrible actor, but, but I understand the process of method acting. And really, it's kind of similar to that with my writing. I try to become the characters. I try to inhabit them, to, to fully do them justice, to fully realize their worlds. I try to take in all the sensory details and just become that point of view. So I view things through those specific lenses. So it, it takes probably from the time of sitting down to writing about 10 minutes for me to be fully immersed in that world, and then, then I go. And when, once I'm there, because I like to spend a lot of time with my family too, they come first, I, I write for maybe three or four hours, but it's just writing. And I, I go about 1,000. I can't type. That's kind of a funny thing. <laughs> I, I, I hunt and peck. 
but even hunting, hunting and pecking, I get about a thousand words an hour and I end up with three or 4,000 words every time I write. Wow. And are you doing that every day? I'm doing that every weekend day. And then during the summer, see, I, I teach from like mid-August to late May. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a teacher at a public high school and junior high, which I love. I mean, I love my teaching job, but as, as all teachers know, it's, it's a pretty demanding job, right? <laughs> so my <laughs> students need me. And so during that part of the year, which is most of the year, I'm writing on the weekends and then little, little sips of, of writing when I can at night, at lunch, before school. And then during the summer, though, the summer is just an extravaganza. So I'll write every day during the summer. I'll get twenty to 25,000 words a week. Basically, I can write a novel and a half to two novels during the summer. And then during the rest of the year, I'll write another novel and a half. So it, it usually about three books a year. Nice, nice. So are you scheduling chunks of time like in the morning or are you night? time guy. I'm kind of imagining you for some reason listening to your Baroque music in your leather chair like late at night, <laughs> late at night <laughs> sipping um, something warm. <laughs> that would work really well. I love that vision too. <laughs> Usually what it is, is, is during the mid-afternoon. And that's kind of strange because I am a night person. I, I get that from my grandfather. He's 91 and he's still, like, as long as I've known him, he will stay up till 1 or 2 in the morning, and, and then he'll sleep in a little bit till 10. Of course, I don't have the luxury of sleeping in with a job and children, so I am less of a night person than I'd like to be. But, yeah, I usually write from about 1.30 to 4.45 in the afternoons. And then sometimes my wife and I will switch, and then I'll write in the morning, and she'll, she'll man the kids during the afternoon. Nice, nice. Well, I think I know the answer to this question, but do you believe in writer's block? Well, I tell you, I, I do believe in it. I do believe it exists. I've never experienced it, and I, I, I'd like to think that it, I, I never will experience it, but I don't want to get too cocky. I just, I, I think that with me, the, the voices are so persistent in my head, and my desire to, to do them justice and, and to bring them to life and to give them a chance to speak, I think that's just so burning and overwhelming for me that I can't imagine getting it. But I do know that it's a thing, and I do know that a lot of writers really suffer from it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that a lot of writers do, and a lot of writers um, don't. Maybe it's half and half. <laughs> do you ever get it? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I um, I have gone through dry spells, and then I've gone through extremely prolific spells. So uh, I don't know. I, I I tend to agree with the kind of input equals output um, uh, theory that you know you kind of when you're not inspired, maybe it's maybe it's for a reason, or maybe you just need to kind of take a step back and 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 uh, find some stuff better stuff to put in there is that what you do i mean is that the is that the technique you use to try to get yourself unstuck um yeah i mean i'm somebody who who definitely likes to um uh research and read a lot of different uh genres and go kind of switch from nonfiction to fiction or take a long walk or you know find something else inspiring out there in the world to look at yeah or if it's just getting lost i mean all of those all of those methods um, I think are good for kind of getting you back in the mode. And, but you know, I'm also not somebody who's scared to have like a moment of downtime or, or to take some time away, put something down. 
um, take a day off, take a week off, take a hiatus. Right. I think that's neat. I think it's neat that you, I mean, uh, writers, I think, I don't know where I heard this, but I once heard that writers are people on whom nothing is lost. And, and I think that, that that curiosity is reflected in those in, in your comments. I think that we do we, we, we notice more we're, we're more you know Roald Dahl said, said in a story called The Hitchhiker says writers is nosy Parkers or something like that some British character uh, this pickpocket but I think that's true I think we're you know nosy is a negative way to put it but I think that we are just extremely curious I think when we hear things that we don't know about which for me is plenty <laughs> there, there's so many things I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's really, really true. And I think, you know, the more you're talking about research, you mentioned that you, you asked that question earlier. I've got these encyclopedias called Man, Myth and Magic. And essentially, you know, when I'm at school, I carry one of those books everywhere I go. They're basically encyclopedias of folklore, of spirituality, legends, religions, all sorts of interesting things. And, you know, as a horror writer, that really constantly, constantly will, will fuel my muse. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think you, you said it well. Well, let's talk a little bit about your workflow. Um, what uh, hardware or uh, typewriter model are you using over there? Yeah, I'm using a MacBook Pro. Uh, I've worked on different laptops before, but my, my MacBook Pro has been the one on, on which I've written most of my books, and I really, really, really like it. I work Microsoft Word for Mac, I guess, is the software that I use, and it's just re really reliable, which is not like my old laptops. <laughs> I tell you, it's, it's so painful to lose work. It's so frustrating when a key sticks and you can't type a D, you know, because writing, it's, it's just such a, such an organic passion. It's art, at least it should be art. And, and you're trying to be completely in the moment. And I mean, I, want, I once heard Christian Bale, did you hear the rant where he went off? I think it was during the making of that Terminator movie he made that wasn't very successful. <laughs> That's right. Where he went off on some lighting uh, member of the I, lighting crew. I do remember that. Yeah, right. and, and 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 while he was wrong for doing that, he went way over the line. He was not kind to that guy. I don't. I'm not. You know, saying that the people should behave that way, exonerating him from any culpability. <laughs> but but there was a part of me that understood how he felt because it was this this emotional core of the movie he was trying to nail it and this guy kept walking through his sightline and working the sightline and i think that anything that distracts really can interfere with the process so that's i think that's what that's why i like the way that i work now is because nothing really gets in the way i, I have enough distractions with my three wonderful kids <laughs> i don't need i don't need distractions from my from the mechanics gotcha gotcha another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
So do you have some uh, additional kind of organizational hacks that help you um, stay on track? I, I wish I had something profound in that regard. To me, I think Stephen King has said this, and he's my, he's my hero, my writing hero. And Brian Keene, another writer I really love and have become good friends with, he says this too, but the good ideas kind of stick with you. So when it comes to as far as ideas, I, those just haunt me. They're, they always stick. They always remain in my mind. As far as organizational hacks, really that stuff for me comes in in the editing process. And, and I do have some, some word files. I, I keep this bank of... And again, they're not words that you that, that, that people would scramble in a thesaurus. Uh, they're words that we all know. Just a word like crisp. That's a word that, like I, I saw the other day, and I hadn't used the word crisp. And I, I talked about the, the biting wind, right, or the brisk wind, but I has, hadn't used crisp. I'm like, man, I, I got to remember that. So I have this, right now it's a 68-page document in size 10 font with, with just words. That, that I want to make sure that I haven't neglected. And, and I'll go through and probably only one out of every two pages will I find one to use in my work in progress. But I'll, but I'll do a search. I'll think, okay, what word have I overused? And then here's a word. Yeah, that would work on page 245. I've got a fairly decent memory hmm. about what I've written. So I can kind of look at that and figure. I, I really think it's a matter of, you know, when you read the best books, it's like, and, and when you read the most musical language, it's like that word could have only been in that place, in that paragraph, in that scene, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and it's when all those, like all those tumblers falling into place uh, that, that you find that, that incredible melody. I just mix metaphors brutally, but you get the point. <laughs> <laughs> Locksmiths and, and yeah. composers. But anyway, uh, I, I think that that's, that's kind of what I try to do. I, I'm constantly tinkering, constantly using those word files to find the right word. And, and then different beats of action, too. I, I have a, a huge just catalog of beats. I'll find myself using he nodded too much or she grinned or whatever mm. it is. And then I'll find, you know, I'll, I'll go through this long file of beats and find one and then alter it because you can't just plug it in haphazardly, right? You've got to find the right, the right you know, the right wording, uh, you know, whether it should be at the beginning, middle, or end of the line. But yeah, I, that's, I, most of my organizational things come really in the editing process. Process. So you're like a locksmith, a locksmith of the imagination. I like that. Yeah, sure. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that one. Um, <laughs> so um, it sounds like you're a pretty regimented writer that when you sit in the chair that you're just cranking them out, even though you do hunt and pack. Uh, it sounds pretty like a pretty regimented schedule uh, for word counts. Do you have some other... Uh, tricks for just beating procrastination or do you kind of lean into procrastination? Yeah, I, I tell you what, you know what you said earlier that you're okay with stepping back a little bit. And that's actually, I'm starting to enter the phase where I'm doing that a little more. There would be times when, you know, even when the words just weren't flowing at all, I was stuck at some, some plot impasse where I would just really try to force it and get those three or 4,000 words. What I do now is, you know, I have a couple little short stories or a novella that I'll be working on. I'll go there or mm. I yeah. will, you know, sometimes I'll go, I'll, I'll read a little bit. And, and I think that being able to do that, and I think it's a matter of, 
maybe self-acceptance and maybe a little bit of confidence where you, where you realize that you're not being lazy every time you're not cranking out that quota. Because you, like with me, I, I don't have every day to write. During the school year, I'm very, very busy. So when I get to Saturday and Sunday, like those are precious six hours or so. And if I lose that time, then I feel this pressure. I feel like I'm failing. But only lately have I begun to really, at times, I feel, not to the point where I will just you know, put it aside for a couple of weeks, but at least a little bit, I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of grace. I like that. I like the idea of pro- productive procrastination. Um, I think something Austin Cleon talked about where he's got, you know, several different desks and, you know, he's, when he's not working on one project, he's procrastinating, but he's still being productive doing something else. He's, you mentioned that kind of writing a, a short story or novella, I like that idea a lot. That's one of the coolest phrases I've ever heard. Productive <laughs> procrastination. Yeah, that is yeah. beautiful. Absolutely. So, um, how do you unplug at the end of a long day of writing? Yeah, it's interesting because of because of the way that I do try to become the character. I find myself in a bit of a fog. It's again to go to the movie realm. Daniel Day Lewis. Whenever he, I think he's one of the most devoted method actors. May I mean he might take it further than any actor has, short of dying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and there, are, there are actors whom you could argue did pass away because of their devotion, right? People talk, and sure. I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but they talk about Heath Ledger and, and what he went through with The Dark Knight. Uh, and, and then you look at the performance and it's just legendary. But I think that with Daniel Day-Lewis, he, he stays in character 24 hours a day. Uh, and you know, if he's playing Lincoln, he's presidential all day. And if he's, <laughs> if he's Daniel Plainview and there will be blood, He's kind of a misanthrope all day. Mm. With with me, I, I have to really be. I guess I have to have some self awareness because when I come out of whatever character I'm, I've inhabited, it's not as though I still exhibit those traits. But it's like this. Okay, you know what it's like. Uh, my my daughter and son and I just watched Return of the Jedi. Uh, we're gearing up for the new Star Wars movie, and they've never seen it. They're only you know eight and ten. Hmm. And uh, when Han Solo comes out of hibernation sickness, that's how it feels. I feel <laughs> like I have hibernation sickness. I can see that's probably the only difference. But I'm foggy. I'm a little bit shivery. It's like the blood is all you know flowed to my brain, <laughs> and and I just kind of have to. To, to give people a little bit of space uh, and give myself a little bit of space to kind of come back to the real world. It'll take me about 10 or 15 minutes to actually carry on a conversation. And that might make me sound a little bit bizarre, but it really does. It, it, it's a necessary transition back to my own life, my own world, my own amazing family. Because otherwise, I'm not really all there. I'm not really completely present, which is weird, but that's the way it is. Yeah, no, I've heard that from uh, quite a few writers, actually, friends and otherwise, who say, you know, they just kind of have a, uh, I don't know, they're, you're kind of living simultaneously in two worlds anyway, um, right. as a writer. So um, being present and mindful and kind of bring yourself back to reality is uh, important. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.